This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show, and he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. It's the Jeremiah Show and Evolve Entertainment. Featuring It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Mike Gormley presents Music Icons, The Arwen Lewis Show, and The Angel Baby Show. Welcome to The Jeremiah Show. I have a very special treat for everybody out there for the weekend, the long Labor Day weekend coming up. Hope you guys are all doing something uh, nice and getting on the road and getting out there. Um, Yes, uh, my special guest today... Very special. He's so special. <laughs> and he, unbelievably special. I knew I was not going to be able to get through the intro. frighteningly special. <laughs> I have to tell a story about the last time John Cleese, my special guest, John Cleese is here. Special. And Arwen Lewis. Hi, welcome both of you guys. I don't know if you need an introduction, John, and I don't think if you'll, get, you'll let me get through one, so I'm not going to try that. Not well, this time. So, I, I sometimes get people to say, here's a man who needs no introduction, so I'm not going to give him one. It's all Always works very well. Well, I think because they probably have gotten to know you, and you don't allow anybody to really give you an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least not me. Um, uh, you've called me rascal a few times, and I'm, I'll take that. I love it. I want to tell the story, though, of the first time you were on the show, real quickly, if I could. And I'm sure you're going to have a comment here. So I'm introducing John, and I, when I do the show, I, I do a lot of background, and I pull up, you know, I write a nice bio, and I write a story. And I really think about my guests. So I did all this and I'm taking it really seriously. And I start to introduce John, but I had found this top 50 comedians in the world list that was compiled by Hollywood, Hollywood, you know, who's who and all these great academics. And I wasn't on it, right? No, no, you were number two. Oh come on! See, that's what you did. So, so I'm, I'm, I. You were the, you were the, the, the second most on that list out of fifty. You were number two, and I start to say this, and you said, "Wait a minute, who's number one?" Yeah, and who was? And then before one? your partner in, uh, in, in uh, Monty Python, Peter. Peter Cook. Yes. Peter wasn't but, in Monty Python. Peter oh. was pre, a pre predecessor. Well, see, I did the and research. For me, he was the greatest thing. But I think you'll find that was an English list, because I think very few people listening to this, except for the ones in London and Somerset, are going to know who Peter Cook was. But he was a genius, because it all came so easily to him, and it was quite irritating. But do you remember what you said You inter- when you said... No. I'm number two. Yeah. Who's number one? And before I could answer, you said, I hope he's, he's dead. <laughs> and well, Peter is dead. He is dead. See, so <laughs> I, I, just, I just moved up. <laughs> you didn't know who number one was, though, so you didn't know. And then, th- exactly. And then I said, well, he, yeah, he is, in fact, passed away. And you said, well, then I'm number one. What is this intro? And it was off the rails from there. So uh, this time to prepare. Good. Do my oh, research. no. You've got to read some. You know, no, this is how much I prepare. There's nothing here. Oh, good. <laughs> it's oh, a blank good page. Joke. I'm good just going to let John take over because... 
he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> John Cleese, welcome. What do you want to talk about, dear man? I want to talk about, well, first I'd like to talk about the tour. You were just on tour. You've done, actually, backing up from that, you well, finished I, I do a lot show. of stuff now in theaters. I like performing in theaters, and there's a certain uh, predictability about it. You know when the tour starts, you know when the tour finishes, there's a guaranteed fee. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, if people buy tickets, they don't hate you. Nobody <laughs> says, I can't stand that man. He's not the slightest bit funny. Let's buy six tickets for his show. So you've got a pre-selected audience that likes you. And then you go out, and there's a nice reception, and you make them laugh for a bit, depending a little bit on the audience. But in the bigger, more sophisticated cities, they laugh. And the further you get out in the sticks, the less they laugh and the harder uh, the work is. And I go and Eric and I booked into El Paso once. And, I mean, we could have been doing the whole show in Finnish for the uh, impact that we had this big. Because the bad sign of an audience is when they start folding their arms. And by the end, every person in El Paso in that audience had his arms folded. Because <laughs> they were all there. They were the big hats, you know. So why, you just said that people, that they don't know the audience. Hang on, hang on. What, what do you want? Slide. I've never done this before. Slide you want me to look at myself? No. no, no, no. <laughs> you want me to look there? Slide no. to the right. Slide to your right. I thought this was a radio interview. Why <laughs> You want me to slide to my eyes? Okay, no, no, that's, normally you don't get this problem on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is the Jeremiah show. There's a lot of problems. That All right, on. how's that? Is that better? Okay. Oh, that's for people who are, who are watching the, the video. That's right. The ones driving, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's cause a few accidents. Then. Okay. So, uh, El Paso, Texas, why, why do you suppose they bought the tickets if they... I have absolutely no idea. I mean, the, the last tour I did was in Europe, and I went as far north as northern Sweden, which is very far north, and I went as far south as Milan. I don't usually do Italy. As far west as uh, Portugal. I did six shows there. And then I did two in Budapest. How do you pick... Who picks the, the locations? Well, whoever it is who knows all the European theaters, he's a very nice guy. He's, uh, he's actually he's a Persian guy, but he lives in Stockholm, and he fixes the doors, and I'm very fond of him. Um, but as I say, the second show in Budapest. <laughs> Again, we could have been doing it. I think they thought I was going to be performing in Hungarian, but uh, my, my Hungarian is very rusty these days. So when I was, uh, and they're all sitting there. They all look as though they've just uh, got out of the Russian army. You know what I mean? They're ugly and overweight. By the way, we're really... <laughs> they're ugly and overweight and and they're sitting there in there goes our Hungarian shorts. audience they're man spreading they've got dirty t-shirts and I'm trying to make them laugh and I'm failing miserably but after a time if you simply cannot get a laugh it becomes funny the awful thing is if you try to make them laugh and they go ah, then you want to kill yourself but if this complete silence <laughs> after a time you You just start laughing like when a woman, uh, I was doing a show in Florida, 
and a very well, we were doing Q and A at the end, and a very nice woman stood up. She was very rather elegant, uh, beautifully dressed. Mr. Cleese, may I ask you a serious question? I said, of course. She said, did the Queen kill Diana? Now, there was a stunned silence. It was a big house, about 2,000 people. You could hear a pin drop, except for me, because I was laughing. I was laughing my head off. I thought this is... See, I was laughing. I was glad, I'm glad that was appropriate for me. <laughs> Should I laugh? But I was saying, it was so funny, because I thought, why does she think I know? Right. You know, because cause I'm British. All the British know whether the Queen killed Diana, but they're not telling anyone who hasn't got a passport. You know? <laughs> Uh, uh, complete silence is very funny it's uh, natural when people are trying to cheer you up by laughing that's that's when you want to kill yourself you've got a big birthday coming up and i you're going to one of your favorite places oh yes it's very exciting i'm gonna i'm starting a tour with my beautiful daughter camilla who is very funny and very very unkind to me with the audience love (laughs) and uh, she and i are going to do a tour starting on what is it uh, up in the northeast somewhere. I think it's we start in Massachusetts I think and that's uh, towards the end of, of October and uh, then we go on for about a month we finish up in um, in uh, oh what's it called um, da, 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 the, the home of jazz in the south um, New Orleans no, no, not New Orleans, no, um, the Tennessee, what's it? Memphis. Memphis, yeah. which is the best audience we ever had when we played there. So we're finishing up there because they, they want the bus back. It's <laughs> 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 not a joke. Do you get your deposit back? <laughs> they, they want their bus back. And uh, so we'll, we'll be doing that. And uh, after that, I have no idea because, of course, with this strike, I've got a lot of projects on at the moment. Miller and I are here in L.A. working with John Dupre, who wrote the music for the Wanda film. Mm -hmm. We're working on a musical of Wanda. And we've got an extraordinary guy called uh, B.T. McNichol, who worked for eight years with Mike Nichols, who is the greatest of the great. So you don't get a better qualification than that. And we're trying to turn Fish Called Wanda, which I wrote, into a a musical. And then I go back to London, where we're going to be doing a stage version of Life of Brian. I am really looking you are forward busy. to it. Yeah, I'm busy, busy, but with all these old projects, you see, mm-hmm. but they're the only ones you can get finance. So I've written other ones, but anything new, nobody's interested in these days. You will see. you, will you take those, as you put it, older projects and put a. A new spin on it? Oh, yes, way? I think so, because I don't want to just reproduce it. Yeah. And uh, because I wrote one and had a big hand in writing the other, I feel I'm entitled to change it. So, for example, we don't crucify Brian at the end, I think. Everyone says, no, he has to be crucified, and you have to have the song. And I want to say, well, everyone loves the song, but let's try and find a slightly different way of doing it instead of doing exactly what they can yeah. see on the video in their own home. What's the point of them? paying money to go to the theater when they can see it at home. Did so, we just give out a spoiler alert? Do we need to edit that? 
No, I don't mind because I haven't made up my mind yet. You yeah. see, we oh, won't be so doing now, that for the second half now of next year. So we got all that time to make up our mind about You're how tease, to finish John. it. But also, we've I've written a lot of new stuff at the start, and I've incorporated a piece that Michael Palin wrote, which I think is hilarious. That was never in the film, and that's right at the start. And I'm really looking forward to working with that because there'll be a lot of actors, but mainly comics, and comics are more fun to work with than actors. You know, they're more interesting people actually did you know that <laughs> well, why are they I've more heard. interesting though because I would think an actor is really interesting too no just not maybe not as Act- fun <laughs> <laughs> actors don't go to college right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> they may they may be very famous and people may list them but they didn't go to college which on the whole means that they're not as bright as the as the uh, you see the comedians write their own material actors mm-hmm. don't oh that's a good yeah point. yeah and uh, I find that comedians they've got a little bit they're a bit ornery yeah. <laughs> you know and I like that they're a bit bloody minded and they don't want to be pushed around whereas um, you know actors tend to have soft centers and they want everyone to love them <laughs> which is why they can be quite boring in interviews you know? would you like but you're an actor and you're a no writer. I'm not I'm a, I'm a writer performer people yeah. never understood this but if you want to understand Monty Python they were six writers who happened to perform Okay. And we didn't improvise because we'd written the damn thing. When we were improvising while we were writing it, yes. So you don't want actor next year. You want performer. I love performers. But there, if the, the interesting thing about comedy is if you come across a great comedy actor who is also a great straight actor and you say, which is the more difficult, 100 out of 100 say comedy is the difficult one. Michael Gambon, for example, is a superb actor and wonderfully funny. And he said to me once, comedy is much, much harder than straight acting. But people don't know that, which is why they always give the awards to the straight actors. Why do you think that is? Um, As a performer. Because most people are fairly stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've proved them wrong in A Fish Called Wanda, right? Kevin Klein won an Academy Award. He did, and that's so rare. She has the uh, Fish Called Wanda uh, fan club. She runs it. Uh, she answers me. all the mail. <laughs> Arwen Lewis here. She answers all the fan mail. It's very good. She you opens know. all the letters. I watched it again recently. So, it still stands up. And there's a funny thing. And you remember the scene where I'm dangled out of the window? Yes, in your That was down. the first time that my daughter, Camilla, who now works with me, the first time she ever... <laughs> ever saw me on a film set I was dangling upside oh down out of a six How floor window How <laughs> she sort of said is daddy supposed to be doing that <laughs> How old was Camilla? At the she was about seven seven <laughs> oh my gosh well that movie and well Kevin Klein's so funny too when he pops in the window and he's like don't call me stupid he's <laughs> just he's such a wonderful yeah wonderful actor that man I, I had to b- b- present him with an award once at some award ceremony and uh, I was talking about him and I said Kevin there's one thing you need to understand you're a very very good actor but you're a great 
overactor. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not a performer. <laughs> How did you choose the cast for that? Did you choose the actors? Well, I, yes, I did. I met Kevin. I'd seen Sophie's Choice, and I just thought he was extraordinary. And then I was in Australia, and a guy who produced Wanda, Michael Schamberg, said, you're in Australia, Kevin. And we had dinner together, I remember, in the open air. And I just thought, I love this guy. And sometimes when it's an odd impulse, but when you see someone that you think is extraordinary, you think, I'd love to work with him. So I wrote that part for him, and I had an idea for it because... Um, I just got a copy of Los Angeles magazine that was a double page advertisement for a sort of spiritual retreat weekend with a guy who was called Grand Master Das, I think it was, and he was an odd, sort of rather uncomfortable looking 30 year old um, with spots. Uh, and it was a piece of picture there. And I just thought this is terribly funny. And then I saw the strap line at the bottom. And the strap line was, Buddhism gives you the competitive edge. <laughs> and I thought, this is hilarious. This is a man who has read everything and understood nothing. So that was his character. And then I had this idea about somebody stuttering and not being able to give him very important information because he... <laughs> And I asked Michael Palin to do it because Michael had had a dad with a terrible stutter. Oh. And that's why he's so funny in that mm -hmm. scene when he's trying to tell me about the Cathcart yeah. Towers, you know. <laughs> and then Jamie, I was assuming that would be an English actor. And then my oldest daughter, who was at that time was about 10, wanted to see a movie called Trading Places. Mm -hmm. And I, I uh, sat down and didn't know anything about it. And then Jamie walked on the screen. And I thought to myself, there's an energy there. You can't define it, but there's just something about the way she walked. And I thought, who is this? I didn't know her because I hadn't watched horror movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just thought, this she's just terrific. And, I, and then I watched the rest of the film, and he, she's funny. And I thought, this is exactly what we want for Wanda. And I, I, I asked somebody what she liked to work with, and they, she said, they said she's the sort of woman who on her day off goes and gets pizza for the crew. And I thought, that's nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll ask her. Oh. Uh, fun fact, I almost got rear-ended by uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. True story. How did that happen? This close. <laughs> well, how did you know it was her? Because I looked in the rear view mirror and she was basically in my back seat. Oh my gosh! <laughs> big, big, huge Mercedes. Uh, I wanted to ask. Go back to Kevin Klein. You went out to dinner with him and you said, "I just knew there was something about." Yeah. Do you remember what that thing was where you engaged? Where you said, this "Well, is I the think guy. I, I, there was something about the what way did he, he do? did the conducting scene in, uh, in Sophie's Choice, and then." I I'd heard that he'd been a big star of a, uh, a Broadway comedy called something like the 20th century on the 20th century. But I mean, we, we, when we got together, the you connection. know, sometimes you're with someone and mm -hmm. just the conversation flows, you're never thinking what you're going to say next. And I adore the man. And so, but the trouble is he lives in New York and I'm, I live in hotel rooms, so I don't see him very much. No, I, I do live in a hotel. Last year I was in London for six weeks and I was in 
in hotel rooms for 46 weeks. So um, I know a lot about hotels. <laughs> and a lot of them aren't very good. <laughs> the first thing you have to know about hotels is they're basically run for the convenience of the staff. <laughs> Once you've accepted <laughs> that if you can fit your schedule around the scarf's or the staff schedule, you'll be able to be all right. <laughs> hilarious. Daughter Camilla Clee says of her father, he's a legend of comedy. He's the founding member of a British comedy troupe, Monty Python. And uh, I want to know why. Here's, here's straight off her Facebook page. She says, John Cleese's tour begins next week. Don't miss your chance to see comedy legend John Cleese. Uh, no, so sorry, I messed that up. See, comedy is hard with the late John Cleese, is what she writes. <laughs> well, I thought I thought I wanted to, I wanted to get people's attention, and what people don't understand is that if you could make them smile or laugh. Uh, that you just they, you get their attention for another split second like when I announced the tour of Australia which finished only about three weeks ago I misspelled all the towns do you um, see what I mean? On uh -huh. purpose? On purpose. Yeah. On purpose. <laughs> and, oh, my God. People in a town will go after you, won't they? Like, well, no, you, because they, my, the people who like my stuff have got a sense of humor. Yeah. So I came up with all these things. You could work out what the town was. It was just I spilled, spilled his name. You know, instead of Brisbane, I called it Brosbant or something like that. And everybody was amused by it. And everybody told their friends because they made them laugh. So they bought lots of tickets. And sometimes if you don't take things too seriously you can get people's attention much better and most people in advertising don't uh, don't get that because they're so serious about their product they can't imagine anyone could be uh, slightly flippant about it the great John Cleese is in studio in Santa Barbara welcome home uh, welcome I, home to I Santa came Barbara up today to see you Jeremiah do you want to say why uh, we probably shouldn't yet yes but we had a great lunch we had a great lunch <laughs> we're gonna let's keep teasing them what let's tease everybody I don't know well let's order let's take a break mm -hmm. we'll come right back mm -hmm. with great John Cleese I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, this is Jeff Stump Baxter. We all need to keep our veterans, men and women who served 
who are on the wall and who were on the wall in our hearts at all times. Sometimes they need help. There are a number of organizations that are dedicated to helping our veterans. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected and that you won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hello, this is John Cleese, and I have the opportunity on this program to promote a new range of perfumes or scents that I have uh, been putting out, we're getting ready to put on the market and they're all based on food because I think food is the most beautiful thing in the world in fact I eat nothing else and um, we've been starting with there's a vegan set of scents which will not offend anyone who uh, doesn't want to eat uh, uh, animal and um, there are also some some red blooded perfumes as as one that's made from buffalo blood that is uh, very sexually exciting I am told. So, um, you are listening to the Jeremiah Higgins show, unfortunately. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. The off-air is uh, just as good as on here. I've got John Cleese in Santa Barbara. Welcome back to your almost a hometown. Away. Well, I yeah, was here for... From home. I bought a place here in 94, and then I moved here permanently in 99, and I stayed here until my third <laughs> divorce. <laughs> but I had to pay my dear ex-wife um, $20 million. So we had to sell everything up here. She got two of the properties. I got none of them because that's the way the law works. <laughs> you know, the passenger is the one who does really well in a divorce. Yeah. So I don't know who set up my chair here in the studio, but this is like, the, I feel like I'm at the kids' table at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, it's, not all, it's not intimidating enough to have to, interv- to interview John Cleese, but I'm like three feet shorter than him here in the studio. Yeah, I feel and taller too. I'm yeah, like looking nice. up at you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Did you do this to me on purpose? This is comedy right here. Uh, John, welcome back again. And Arwen, you 
then now she runs the fan club. If you miss this, she runs yeah. a fan club for all of John Cleese's movies. Mm-hmm. And she sings and she writes songs and she, does, that. she does it all. Well, I'll have to write a song of you know a fish called Wanda. I'll have to make it dramatic though. It'll be the dramatic spin, you know, about right. the, the the bank robbery and everything. Oh right? yes, be a blues, yeah. oh, jazz, yeah. murder ballad or something. Um, but so I thought I wanted to ask you, how did you come up with the storyline? Well, it's, uh, I'll talk about this because I've actually written a little book about creativity, which is called Creativity. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not a very imaginative <laughs> title. But, and it's all about the randomness of the creative process. But what really happened is that somebody told me that there was a wonderful con trick played where somebody found or bought a black pearl, which is very unusual. And so he went to a jeweler and he said to the jeweler, I want you to match this pearl and I will. I don't mind what it costs. Right? I, you just match it. Find my, and then make it into a pair of earrings for my wife. He only had the one. So he went away for a few weeks and the jewelers all went around and said, you're looking for a black pearl? Yeah, um, why he wants a black pearl. What's the size of black pearl? And then he goes into another jewelers and he says, you've got any interest in this black pearl? <laughs> and the jeweler goes, ching, 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 ching. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I could sell this. So then he gets a much bigger price <laughs> for the single black pearl that he would ever have got to be sold it as a single. And I thought, that is so I started with that and it had nothing to do with what I finished up with nothing at all but it started like that then I thought I want a scene where Michael Palin who does a very dad uh, had a stutter when he's got this scene where he's trying to tell somebody something very urgently and he cannot get the word out and then there was a continuation of the scene because uh, then I said well write it down (laughs) we couldn't find a pen that worked through all this kind of and I told the director whom I adored to Charlie Crichton who was a wonderful old director I said that and I said should we put that in our film Charlie because we'd agreed we'd make a film together and he said yes he said you should talk like that and I said have you got an idea and he said yes I want to run someone over with a steamroller <laughs> so we started with a stuttering scene <laughs> somehow we finished up with Wanda yeah. because you, when you're creating you just play and you don't try to control it it's just where your mind mm-hmm. takes you and you either let the unconscious take over and do a lot of it for you instead of what we're taught in school you don't sit there beating your brains out with your brain with your forehead furrowed and thinking hard a lot of creativity is exactly the opposite I mean Billy Wilder somebody was telling me a great great comedy director if he was working with someone they got stuck he'd say let's play cards one of the great writing um, duos, um, uh, Galton and Simpson, in England, they always used to play a, go- a board game if they got stuck, instead of beating their brains out. And that way you, you, you let the brain relax like the tip of the tongue. You know when you can't think of a name? 
and it drives you mad mm -hmm. and you follow it and you follow it and it just keeps going away mm -hmm. and then if you suddenly say I'm not interested anymore <laughs> five minutes later you get the name now what's that about that's not about beating your brains out it's about figuring out how to work with your unconscious and that's what this little book is all about mm -hmm. it's all about letting the mind play and the key word to it is play because a lot of people don't know how to play especially people who want to be very important mm -hmm. do we learn do we lose the ability to play yes we do because in, in, in the naturalness of it but it's yes, not I mean, kids anyway. all play right. and if you went to them and said you're not playing properly they look at you and think <laughs> you know they know how to play and then we put them into schools and not through cruelty or, or discipline but we just let them know that playing isn't real thinking uh, real thinking involves furrowed brows and, and and staying up late and it's n the opposite for, for, for creativity all the research that's been done in creativity the, the people who are creative are people who can play so you have to really go back and start playing again. But if you ask yourself, why do kids play? It's the answer is because they don't have to mind the shop. <clears throat> Mum is making dinner. Daddy's making the money. The kids don't have those concerns. So when you want to play, you have to get away mentally from all the little jobs and tasks you have to do. You, 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 you close the door and you switch uh, off the phone and then you sit there and you think I'm going to let my mind play and then you think I should have called Bob and then you think I forgot to buy a birthday cat, uh, present for the cat and then you remember you were supposed to mend the car and so you have to it's like meditation you have to have a period when all those thoughts you know, I take out a yellow sticky and I write it down birthday present for cat see what I mean mm -hmm. and then I can forget it and ever so slowly mm -hmm. your mind settles and then you start playing with the idea that you want to have an idea about how often do you play a lot of the time and it means I work far less hard than I used to because I do about an hour and a half in the morning Is 10 to okay? 11 30 then I have a coffee, then I sit down at 12 and I go till 1, then I'll start again at 4 and do about another hour and a half. Is that okay for you? Do you feel that like I've missed work? Yeah. I've missed, I'm not, or do you feel like this is okay? This well, is they, all that way. matters is, is am, I, am I putting stuff down on the paper that's any good? Well, I got an opportunity. We get uh, just a little background for today. We've been hanging out probably five hours, and you're really sick of me. I know. I, you told me off air. Uh, he's ready to get well, back I'm on the freeway. I'm sick of you. I'm just bored just, with just you. Just bored. Which is even worse. <laughs> Could you please be sick of me? Uh, but I watched your mind today, John. I'm sorry if uh, I, I was observing you. Uh, I can tell you now, I think. But I watched your mind work, and I watched different people come in and out of your your existence your area your you know and and i saw you create scenes you created stories and scenes right yeah and, and, and well, yes you how did do you mean exactly? from from the servers coming through you had you came up with um just different jokes and you wrote you had well, concepts so it's like, like like the like I, the the dessert cart with the Oh yes, the devil. I love play, and I give the following example. Some people play. The Irish are very playful. So I arrive in Dublin, 
I met off the plane, they take me to the car, the driver is going to drive me to the hotel. And I shake hands and I say to him, I understand you have an alcohol problem. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, oh no, Mr. Cleese, I spill very little when I'm driving. <laughs> now, this is superb. Yeah. But if I'd said to him, hello, how nice, thank you for driving, we wouldn't have had so much fun. Yeah. So it's a question. I, you, I read so, a book about the Marx Brothers. This was Groucho Marx. He would go into a fruit store. You immediately tell them he didn't want to buy their fruit because it was all wax. <laughs> <laughs> and that way you have fun and people come to life because they're not having to obey rules, you know? Yeah, I, so I saw that. I witnessed that. I've seen that today and I, that's probably the highlight for me of the day that I get to know you that in that way and it, I kind of watch your genius right Arwen you were there it's not genius yeah, it's is? just I know then how what, to play then what is it and I mean it's awful, brilliant a lot of people don't know how to play but you know where to find that you know where to find that moment and did say something like well that's because I've done it I, a lot it's like anything you want to get something it's an good engagement at, though it's more than that it's a connection that you're, you're well it's finding. a connection with, me, with, with people because if you look at people and pay attention to them for them at the moment they were aware that you're two human beings making gentle contact with each other hmm? oh, I, I hate to take a break at this moment but we'll take a quick break and I think that's so important right well, now I have to go now anyway, we're missing I'm, <laughs> well, I'm really really bored I'm, Goodbye. I'm your driver so I don't think you're going to make it far but <laughs> alright we'll be right back because we want to get John, John home be right back but I don't mind the dark Discovering the day Cause the night is a beautiful Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio. The Jeremiah Show airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. CoreRadio.rocks. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear, and we're going to be on tour this summer. Hope to see you guys out there. Take care. With the Jeremiah Show.
Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. I just want to say, Camilla, we miss you, yeah. and uh, I hope we see you next time. Uh, Camilla Cleese, John's daughter, we are with uh, John. She's writing with me, and I'm uh, I'm kind of horrified because I have a nasty feeling she's getting better than I am. <laughs> she's very smart, and she learns so fast, and she keeps making suggestions, which I don't mind, and I don't like the suggestion. <laughs> and then the next day, I realize it's, it's a good it's suggestion. Good. It's good. Does uh, that make you? That you've got to be proud. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. That means you're what a good is it like writing? Uh, Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just meant that means you've been a good teacher, you know? Like, if well, she's getting you, better and yes, better. Yes, I'll tell you, you know what makes a good teacher? A good pupil. Yeah. 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 Is it uh, a joy, the joy of your life to be able to work with your daughter in this way? And, yes, and it know is. That she, and, and you're passing a, on I, I feel a great sense of pride. Yeah. And when she suddenly comes up with one of her extraordinary ideas, which are really wonderful, I mean, there's a fast scene in Fish Called Wonder, and she's added three completely different uh, sections to it. And it is now, we read it the other day, and I could hardly read it. I was laughing so much, and other people in the room were crying. It's one of the funniest things I've ever read, but it was funny uh, written. It was was funny to start with, but she has come up with three other things that we've stitched into it that have made it even better. Mm. But the thing about play is all important because there was a very important research done at Berkeley by a guy called McKinnon in the 60s. And he was the one, he first of all, he went to, he, he admired architects because very smart people. I mean, they've got to be creative, but also they have to be very logical yeah. uh, because otherwise their beautiful thing will fall down. So he was uh, fascinated by the fact they had to be very disciplined and very creative. And he, he went to the very the best respected ones, the ones that all the other architects say, oh, he's incredibly creative or she's incredibly creative. And he found out what they did from the moment they got up in the morning and the moment they went to bed at night. And then he went to some of the less creative architects, although he didn't tell them (laughs) that was why he was talking to them, and asked them. And there were only two differences, nothing to do with IQ. The creative ones knew how to play, and the other thing was they tried to defer making a decision as long as they could. Now, people say, well, you go, no, no. The first question you ask, and I learned this when I had a company that taught management skills, the first question you ask if you have a decision to make is, when does it have to be made? And once that's clear, that's a real world decision, I have to make it by Wednesday or I don't have to make it this month, then you don't make it till then. But no, people don't like leaving it unresolved, mm-hmm. so they rush into making a decision. Mm-hmm. And if you leave it longer, two things happen. You can get new information and you can get new ideas. So why rush it? And I think Americans in particular rush decisions to make themselves look decisive. Mm. No, make a decision when you have to and not before, and then you'll get a better decision. So that, I, I, and then I read a book about play, and the guy said, play is only possible if there's a boundary, like in football. 
you blow the whistle and everybody starts playing soccer and then you blow the whistle 90 minutes and they all stop and during that time no one's allowed to come onto the pitch so you have to create a space where you're not going to be interrupted and then you have to do it for a fixed period of time and at the end of it the real life comes in and you go off and buy a present for the cat <laughs> <laughs> and stuffed animals I've got a lot of stuffed animals, animals. how I'm, many do you have now? About collection. 400. 400. Yes. Because they all make me laugh. If I see a, a stuffed animal that makes me laugh, my wife and I buy it immediately. Do you have the fish that was from yes. Wanda? Do yes. you have the fish stuffed animal? We had oh, that. yes. Good. I have, to go, I have to admit, I had a Zoom with John about a year ago, and we were talking about a business matter, and all of a sudden he had a stuffed, ti a stuffed animal tiger on his shoulder through the rest of the... But he never explained why, and he never... Said, but and I didn't know this about you. So, animals. so the Germans I make thought, great ones. You, you start smiling. I don't know why. I well, mean, yeah, animals. But are I was wonderful. trying not to smile and be serious with a business conversation. And then I, for, for like a month, I'm like, what was up with the stuffed animal? <laughs> I just didn't know. I didn't want to ask. Well, you. we had to. Graham Chapman and I had one occasion. We had to go and meet. Uh, go to have a, a, a Hollywood film producer come to our to the flat, and I had a lot of stuffed animals in those days, and we. <laughs> hid all these stuffed animals <laughs> so they were peeping over the curtain <laughs> to see what you mean sitting on a bookshelf behind a book <laughs> and I thought he never noticed them I honestly thought that this guy had never noticed we had a perfectly ordinary meeting and then he shook his sleeve and said great animals <laughs> <laughs> he must have seen them all looking at him. Yeah. So you're thinking it's just like Eddie, like what is up with it? But you say you want, you I said something, something earlier. Yeah. Let me just say this: people don't understand the difference between serious and solemn. Mm. Solemn is no humor, and that's funerals. You see what I mean? You're not supposed to laugh in funerals. You laugh with your best friend, but you don't let anyone else in the church know that you're laughing. You see, that's solemn. Serious is simply that you're talking about something important, but you can be laughing about it. It doesn't mean the discussion isn't serious. So people don't, they think if there's humor, it's not serious. No, humor can be very serious. Wonderful example, Dr. Strangelove. Arwen. Well, I just, um, I want to talk about Faulty Towers really quick, too. What's it called? The Faulty Towers. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it called Faulty Towers? Yes, uh, I was is. like, did I mispronounce it? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just playing. See, I can't take a joke. I'm the most gullible person in the world. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the funny thing is, my wife, who is one of the worst practical jokers, is also wonderfully gullible. <laughs> Is that funny? Yeah, I think fun people who are very good at other people's gullibility are also very gullible themselves. Mm -hmm. Odd rule. Sorry, go on. Oh, well, I just wanted to say, um, where did you find the humor in that? Had you ever worked in the service industry, or where did you get the psychology behind you know, the, well, the script? it was based on, on uh, Basil Fawlty, was based on a guy who actually ran a hotel. Mm -hmm. And the Pythons went to stay at the hotel because okay. we were filming on the south coast in Torquay. And uh, we, we we turned up at this guy's hotel. It was called Glen Eagles, and uh, he was uh, he was just wonderfully rude. Uh, he was <laughs> gloriously rude, but for no 
reason. You see, it wasn't that he was angry or cross. He was just rude because his motto, the British hotelier's motto, is we could run this hotel properly if it wasn't for the guests. (laughs) (laughs) And here are the guests coming along and screwing up (laughs) what would otherwise be a smooth running hotel. And uh, Connie was staying because she used to do a lot of work with Python. She was filming. And uh, sometime later, about 18 months later, when the BBC said to me, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to write something with my wife and they said what and I said I don't know and I went back and said to Connie what are we going to write within 10 minutes we said let's set it in that hotel we <laughs> stayed in and the rest is history yeah the I rest was, is history and what was funny was that when we went down later to look at the hotel after I'd written the series he'd retired mm-hmm. and he had gone to Miami but they showed two episodes of it to his daughter who was about 23 and his daughter had never seen the show and she watched it and at the end of the second show she turned to the journalists who showed it to her and said that's done oh my gosh (laughs) that's so funny and like you probably was like wait they've just made a whole TV series about me oh my god that's too funny he's not with us anymore but Uh his wife when he died wrote a letter to the local paper saying it was a travesty and he was nothing like Basil Fulton at all and um, it got printed in the all the national papers because it's so popular in England and the letter started pouring (laughs) into the new paper saying no no he was exactly like that. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, it's wonderful, yeah. I'm with uh, Arwen Lewis. Thanks for joining us, Arwen. Dr. D, Richard Dugan's on the soundboard, and the great John Cleese has graced us with his presence here in Santa Barbara at the studio. You, you wait till you see the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we can't afford him. Um, do you take payments? We'll be right back.
Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, my name is Zara Knight, and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival. I'm Greg Knight, and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival as well. Real farm, real people, real music. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to The, the Jeremiah, Jeremiah Show. Show. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. John Cleese, you're going to tell us about a moment you love in 40 Towers. In 40 Towers, there's a moment, there's one called an episode to do with, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's a special gourmet night, I think it's called. And uh, the, the chef gets drunk and can't cook. So he rings his friend, the chef, in the town. <laughs> and he cooks the stuff for him and, they all, and he can do duck. <laughs> so he finally arrives with the, the wait, diners have been waiting about an hour with the duck that they were more or less forced to order and he's taken the wrong uh, container and he takes the top off and it's not it's a terrible sort of strawberry mousse <laughs> and he puts the top back on as though he wants to stop give it a chance to become a duck again and then he looks and then what I love is he puts his hands out and, and, and opens up the middle of the mousse in case there's a duck, a duck in underneath <laughs> that's my favourite moment oh man Got to visit all these films and these yeah. TV shows again because I think we're missing yeah. we're missing this. Yeah. And according to John Cleese, what do you think the world is missing right now? Well, I think we're, we're frightened to laugh. I think the, the world is anxious. Mm -hmm. You know what makes human beings anxious is change. Mm. It's very strange. It's not necessarily good change or bad change. It's just we like predictability. We're deep down. We're all conservative with a more C. We don't want too much change. Right now, everything's changing faster than it ever has, and everyone's anxious. And all I think the time. That all of that. And the best, best antidote to anxiety, I think, is laughter. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that, that it's very unfortunate that one end of the woke movement, one end of the woke movement is absolutely right. Let's be nice to people. Let's be inclusive. Let's start to stop uh, c- caring about what people do sexually. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Christ, when, when they were stoning that woman caught in adultery and they said to Christ, you know, uh, you know, what, what do you think? He said, let, the, let he who is without, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Christian, Christians in America seem to think Christianity is mainly about sex. It's nothing to do with sex. It's about becoming better people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a good end of work. The bad end of work is some ideas they have, particularly about anxiety. They say your feelings are always completely valid, which means that everything since Freud has been a waste of time. Because the whole point about therapy is you examine your feelings and you say, is this an appropriate feeling or is there a better way of looking at it? Mm -hmm. And that type of approach, which is called cognitive behavioral psychology, is very, very effective with young people who have great problems with depression and anxiety. And yet the woke people at one end of that woke spectrum are telling them exactly the opposite of what those cognitive behavioral psychologists are teaching their pa- patients successfully. Mm. Mm. Well, how about that? Mm. Can I go now? We got, uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Just a few minutes. Do you want to drop the mic? <laughs> that was a good, in, good way to, to end. I get off the stand. I, just, <laughs> I just want to mention again, Camilla Cleese, uh, we love you, but we miss you, and thanks for lending us your dad for the day. John Cleese is here with us in studio if you're just joining us. Um, Santa Barbara used to be his home, and we're hoping that you may make it your home well, again someday. Well, my wife said to me three or four weeks ago, because we're deciding where to live, because if you live in England, it doesn't stop raining. And if you go 500 miles south, it's nothing but forest fires. So there must be a narrow strip between <laughs> continual rain and forest. But maybe, maybe it's Santa Barbara. I love that. And um, I wanted to also mention that I played for the soundtrack in John's honor, our friend Anita. Anais Reno, and she's a great jazz musician. Um, I know how much you love jazz. And your favorite song yes. is Lullaby of Birdland, right? Lullaby of Birdland. Arwen, I wanted to give you the last question for John. Well, And then we'll say goodbye, unfortunately. And then I'll take you home, John. You take me home. <laughs> no, you won't. You take me to my if car you, and I'll drive myself home. You'll go off, I'll right. go off and get uh, drunk I, like you usually do. <laughs> <laughs> usually do. <laughs> I know what I'll ask. If you were going to come up with a new name for an Arnold Palmer, what would it be? <laughs> for an Arnold Palmer? I think I'd call it a Bob Marley. Okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the other end of the, of the spectrum, yeah. yeah. That sounds great to me. I would drink one. Good. Yeah. John Cleese, thank you, my friend. No, I so was much. wonderful, wasn't I? Thank you for joining us. Okay, everybody, have a great, safe weekend. Have a dra- safe drive thank home. You. you sure you don't want me to drive you home? We could spend a couple more hours. <laughs> Look at that. I saw the fear in his eye just now. Um, now, all I need is a visit to the loo and then a visit to my car. Okay, well, we're going to turn off the microphone here. We're going to say goodbye, right. and I hope you have a great, um, thank you. restful it's been great evening. Pleasure, Richard. It's been great to have you here, and thanks for making us all laugh. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, it does us all good. So communicate.
but listen more and evolve. Everybody have a great weekend. As I walk down the street, seems everyone I meet gives me a friendly hello. I guess I'm just a lucky so-and-so. The birds in every tree are all so neighborly. They sing wherever I go. I guess I'm just, I'm just a lucky Lucky so-and-so If you should ask me the amount In my bank account I must confess I'm slipping But that don't worry me Cause confidentially I got a dream That's a pippin' And when the day is through Each night I hurry to a home Where love waits I know I get this I'm just a lucky so and so
I do hope you enjoyed that uh, interview. I'm sorry that Jeremiah is so hopeless. I did a real, uh, made a real effort to, to sort of get through the sludge and the drudgery and the cliches and the second-rate ideas. I hope I didn't disappoint you too much. And as far as uh, he, Jeremiah is concerned, do write in, because if you do, we can do something about this. Hi, this is comedian Maz Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, you're loved, Holmes. I love you. I love It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.